0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Um, participating together, and so if you want to participate, just start yelling back and forth. I'll enjoy that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, grab your Bibles and go to Psalm 120 is where we're going to be tonight and really in this series. Um, I want to, as as you're turning there, um, I want to patch a few things up. Uh, I have not... Um, taught in here, I think it's like five or six weeks, and that was the one week. Spencer's like, oh, Mike's tired. He was on vacation, and the baby, and you know, someone else like, are you, what's going on? Uh, literally, I am not tired from teaching at all. I, I literally last year taught 85 times, and I was like, is that it? Like, I would rather uh, teach every day, but rather, <laughs> it is for us to have different people come present God's Word. We're going to continue to do that. Um, I thought Eric, Steve, and Spencer served us really well. They did a phenomenal job. If you didn't hear those, you should go back and listen to uh, the podcast. But nonetheless, um, this series that we're in tonight and starting for eight weeks is How to Cope. And I've had a ton of people like, hey, what's the angle with this one, right? You're kind of wondering um, about this series and really um, why we would study um, the Psalms of Ascent. Some of you have no idea what the Psalms of Ascent are, where they are, how to find them. I'm going to help you uh, through all of that as we uh, jump into this series. But the reason um, I felt extremely compelled to start this series, just to give you the heart behind it, um, is in the Psalms, um, there are specific sections that deal with very emotional issues, right? You could look at the psalms it's called the psalms of halil in 113 to 118 they're very praiseworthy they would read those psalms the jewish people would as they went to communion there are sections uh, in the earlier psalms that are um, more they're they're really saying things that would seem um heretical in a sense but they're emotional they're they're saying things to god that aren't true uh, but there's what they're feeling and it's true that they said them and there's they just deal with different issues the Psalms of Ascent are—I mean, these—I mean, these are incredibly practical, and this is why I think um, this series is going to be really, really important for you and I to either uh, commit for the next eight weeks, either to come or to listen to the series. Um, and this is why the timing of it is important. So, when August and September start to start to come our way, what starts to naturally happen? You just get slammed right? You get busy, school starts coming your way, work starts picking up, uh, things start happening, you're going, some of you are going back to school, some of you are going to stay here but go to school, maybe online, maybe work's going to pick up, things just start cranking up around this time. Um, it's just normal and, and as that starts to happen, um, hopefully this series will help us to be more reflective, that we would look inwardly, we could have went a few different ways with a series, and I, we were talking to some guys this morning, I was like, as fall is cranking up, we could have been like, hey, let's do Jonah, and you know, we could have went that route, or in James, but I felt like this series is so practical because, um, I'm going to define this word coping here in a second, because a lot of us respond to stressors in life in good ways. And they can turn bad or in bad ways in general, and that can end very bad as well. And if you don't know how to cope in a healthy way, um, it can really screw you up for a long time. And so I think this is important, but before we even get there, um, there's a book. uh, You can throw it up on the screen. I am not preaching this book, but I read the book, and I was like, ah, i got to preach the Psalms of Ascent. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. This book literally has just um, knocked me over about every other day when I pick it up. It's like I'm reading it, and he is just, re- I mean, it was written in, like, 1980. He's, like, reading our mail. Um, and he was talking, the subtitle is Discipleship in an Instant Society, where we have no idea how to be patient. We have no idea how to read situations. We have no idea how to read our emotions. So we just react. We don't respond. We don't think and process well because everything is so fast right now. It's instant. And so this book and these Psalms, I believe, are going to help us turn our unhealthy coping mechanisms from unhealthy things or even good things that turn bad onto where they should be, which is the Lord. And so for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to coping, here's a working definition that you could just Google. but coping is expending conscious effort to solve difficult personal and interpersonal problems and seeking to master, minimize, or tolerate stress or conflict. Psychological coping mechanisms are commonly termed coping strategies or coping skills. So hopefully for some of you this makes sense. Um, when you have something, there is in your brain and in your mind, psychologically, what will happen. Um, we talked about this one night in Colossians, how you create pathways in your mind when you respond. So there can be good ways that you and I cope and some bad ways that you and I cope. I would like to see if some of you would respond tonight. What would be something that is good? It's a good thing, but sometimes it can be a very bad coping mechanism. Yeah. Okay, he's trying to get shredded. He's trying to get huge. Uh, he's looking for a girlfriend, so he goes to the gym, and it can be it can be an unhealthy coping mechanism. What else? Someone just shouted out. Don't raise your hand. What else? I have no iPad. What'd you say? I was like, what's an iPad, huh? Skydiving. Skydiving. Oh my gosh, yes, he's trying to jump off a plane, right? So um, we're we're gonna get in left field. So I'll give you some. <laughs> Here are a few. Um, is and this is the natural one. So your phone. Is your phone evil and from the devil? Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Some of you are Baptists and it just came from left field. You were, you were like, I went to first Baptist. of so." Uh, no, you, your phone is not evil, but it can be, it can be. Um, is Netflix evil and from the devil? <laughs> this will be fun. Um, no, it's not, right? But it can be. You can use it to cope. Um, I just thought of this uh, the, other, the other night, and I didn't know this was in this, uh, the episode or the series, but the show, or the show, Outer Banks, is obviously blown up. Yeah, how many of you watch it? You're Okay, four of you, sweet. Um, so uh, anyway, my wife and I are watching it, and what, what's the main character's name? He, he looks like Brian Arugio, the middle school pastor. Huh? John B., B. yes, yeah, so John B., Early on, this guy, he's lost his family, and he's in the car, and they don't tell me what happens, I'm in the first season, he's driving, and he's like psyching himself out that his dad is still alive. His dad's been gone for a long time, psyching himself out, and his friend says to him, he said, man, you are coping with insane thinking. He said, you're living in a false reality, you're co- it's a coping mechanism. You and I cope with things all the time, and it's not even bad things, usually people are like, drugs. Right, like uh, drugs. Right, you're just yeah. Um, which I don't want to joke about that, but that that is a that's a coping mechanism. Is alcohol a coping mechanism? For sure. Someone has a really bad day. They have a terrible day. They go home, kick the dog, get really drunk, and and they feel better. A lot of you guys don't know 35, 40 year old Ben. So anyway, um, this is this is part of it. People hate their lives, so they get really drunk and they cope with that. You can cope with things that are bad. You can cope with things that are good. We're going to talk about some things tonight that I think a lot of you will be like, oh, shoot, I didn't know I was coping that way. But only, only the Holy Spirit will put that on your heart. Um, here are some ways. Go to the next slide for me, Luke, why this series is important. Here's the first one. Coping is a normal habit that forms how you respond to life. Something happens, you respond. It's, it's responding or it's reacting to things in life you get really really angry how do you respond you yell you hide you react you, you right you you'll see these things it's how you respond and it's and it's a normal habit it's nothing insane but it's truly truly emotional number number 2 um most of us cope accidentally in unhealthy ways that have long-term effects. Here's the weird thing about this, and I didn't know this until I started going to counseling, which, surprised all of you knew that, I think. But anyway, um, it was like 23, I was 23, and the guy was like bringing up boundaries. I'm like, what are boundaries? Right? I just had no idea, right? You're like, that's why Mike's wild, right? So anyway, uh, I was, um, it, it was, there's ways that I was coping And I didn't even know. It wasn't like I was actively trying to create bad habits. It just happened. And it wasn't even like it was these really big sin issues. It was like, oh, man, that's not good. Next thing I know, whenever I would get in conflict with someone, oh, I would just numb or run. I would just figure out a way to bury it. I would just, like he said, I would work out for three hours. Uh, I feel fine. I'm great, man. No, we're good. Right? (laughs) Right? You, You respond. And some of you will be like, on days that you are really, really sad. You just, you're just you depressed. I think the series after this we talked this morning is going to be Smiling Depression and Job. Anyway, um, when you get really, really sad, what do you do? You cancel the evening. You go home. You order pizza. You get ice cream. And you watch seven hours of Netflix. And then you're like, I feel great. You're like, I don't, I'm not mad at them at all. This is, this is awesome. So, And then, when it happens next week, you do it again. It's accidentally. So anyway, number three. Knowing yourself and God's character is foundational to coping well. So here's the spiritual part. Um, I am not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I barely know the English language at a fifth grade level. So don't be like, man, how do you know that stuff? Right? Uh, That is not the angle I'm coming at. Here's what I do know. That what I've learned over the years of myself and how I respond, knowing me knowing how I am wired, knowing how God's created me, my tendencies, my weaknesses, is important. Also knowing God's character to make sure that I become a healthy person. Just that I become like a decent guy. That I don't just end up being the guy who's in his 30s or 40s and it's like, yeah, that's just, he just freaks out and yells at people like once a month. Right? Or some of you would say, you, you're, and, and a lot of you right now, I think, are doing this. You're thinking of someone else. You're like, oh, man, my uncle's just nuts. You're like, man, my mom, oh, my gosh, all she does is gossip. That's how she copes. You're thinking of someone else. So what's important is to stay where we are or where you are. And here is, as we get ready to jump into Psalm 120, I want to say this. <clears throat> um, I f- have had this weird feeling even teaching at Thriver being here for the past, probably, it's been approaching three years. Um, I was the youngest in my family. I never had a little brother or sister. I always, like, wished I had one. What can happen is I'm always, like, teaching a series where it ends up being, like, older brother syndrome, where it's, like, I need to, you know, help them with this. That's that's not at all what I'm doing. I don't want you to guys feel like this is, like, an older brother conversation or talk. It's none of that. All I am hoping to do in this series and over the next eight weeks is this. Here's, like, the, the pitch and the goal is to build in us, hopefully through God's word, by the grace of God, resilience. The ability, the ability to handle the stresses, the risks, and the unknowns of life in a healthy way. Because a lot of you, you will take a step of faith and obedience. It will get really hard. You'll hit the eject button. I can't do that. Something will become really difficult. A relationship, a job, school, something will happen, and you'll get super anxious of unknowns and how God's leading. So you'll eject and you'll say, Well, I can't go through that. It's just too risky, it's too unknown, it's too hard. And it's it's really important to learn how to deal with hard things in life. It's super important. And if you don't know now, it's just it's anyway. I'm I'm getting out of I, off in left field. So anyway, before so, uh, Luke, pull up that picture of me of the Psalms of Ascent. Um, so I was in Israel. I think it was seven years ago. And when you go, there's the old remnants of the temple um, that was destroyed in 70 A.D. You know, it was the old temple of God. I mean, it's it's massive. There's the Wailing Wall on the other side. People are writing their prayers, putting them into the wall. The Jewish people are praying for the Messiah to come. You go on the other side. And there are 14 steps. And what is true, biblically, historically, is what the religious leaders or Pharisees would do is they would take one step up on to their next step and they would quote the Psalms of Ascent. There's 14 steps, 14 Psalms. You take one step and you would quote Psalm 120. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. You take the next step. I look to the hills to the mountains. Where does my help come from? comes from the Lord. So each one was symbolic as they were approaching God. They were trying to get their heart and their mind around approaching God. I mean, these are super practical, super real, I think, for us. And so I think you guys are ready to jump into Psalm 120. Amen if you are. Amen. Wow, that's impressive. So anyway, Psalm 120, you are not ready at all. The first one is this. When you cope, who do you go to? Who do you go to? Here's the verse, first one. In my distress, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. In my distress, who is this psalm written by? There are one of them written by David, four by Solomon, 10 are anonymous. This one, they're unknown, it's anonymous author. He's saying, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And the question you have to ask is this, when you are distressed, you don't have to raise your hand, if you're distressed tonight, just heavy, just heavy, things are, you're frustrated, little upset with God, little unknown, in your distress, I called to the Lord, who do you call, and when do you call, and how often do you call, and he answered me. The part I don't like about this verse is this. When does he answer? doesn't say. When I pray, you know how quick I would like a response? In about .3256 seconds. That's very quick if you're, think, if you're wondering. Um, very fast. I pray in my distress. And here's what is so cool about this. I love this. The kind of people that God responds to are people who are in distress, not people who are healthy, not people who are doing really well, not people who don't need God. It's, Jesus says, I came to call the sick who need a physician, people who need help. People who are doing really well, he's not going to respond because they've never, they don't need to call. Their calling is religious repetition for, trad- for tradition and saying, I should pray, but in your distress. And here's what you need to know. If and when you are distressed, God knows. He knows. He knows every detail, every working, every situation. And the psalmist says, in here's how he's going to cope. He said, I'm going to go to the Lord. And a lot of us, this is what we do. We don't go to God. Here's what we do. We're in distress, so we go to someone who can help us cope with that stress. It is not wrong to go to a friend it's not wrong to go to a counselor. We're gonna to talk toward the end about brothers dwelling in unity, but here is what happens too often. Something bad happens in our life. So for those of you who are, like me, a verbal processor, you can't think unless you're talking. You know what I'm talking, right? Some of you, you might just talk to yourself, right? You're just you'll talk because that's how you process. You don't go to God. You'll go to gossip, and it will be a sulking strategy that we have you will sulk with gossip or in your distress you're more complaining about God instead of talking to God and then we'll say why will God not hear me or help me have you talked to God who do you go to these are these are super simple for some of you you've been in church a long time you're like man I thought we were going to get something I never heard no these are these are very practical things in my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me. So we have to ask ourselves the question: When we are distressed, who do we go to, and how often do we go? We talked this past week um, in our services, and in Psalm or in Isaiah 62 sixty-two seven, it says, "When He was establishing Jerusalem, God, He would set up watchmen who would bother Him day and night, who would give Him no rest." God literally wants you and I to bother him in our distress. Contingent upon him answering is you being distressed. You having a problem, an issue. And here is how some of us where we don't we don't know who to go to, so we don't, we might not go to God or anyone. We just we just sit in our own thoughts. We sit in our own thoughts, and then we wonder why something's not getting better. We're not going to God. Number two. When you cope, what lies do you believe? And this is where, these are just so practical, and we could sit in this one most of the night. Deliver me, he says, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? And we'll talk about this, a warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. This is, in, this is crazy. So lying lips and deceitful lips are two different things. A lie is very obvious. Someone asks you a question, you give the false true. It's, it's not true. You said, were you there? No, I wasn't there. I was there. Deceitful is different. Why? It's malicious. It has a plan. It's gossiping. It's lying to someone, about someone, for a situation, for the benefit of someone else. It's, it's malicious. It's malicious. And here's what, here's the question he asked. What shall be given to you? Speaking of the deceitful person, what more shall be done to you? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Here's what he is saying. That some of us who not only believe lies, but we tell lies. We constantly lie. We lie because it's just enjoyable. We lie because we want to hurt, belittle, mess someone else's reputation up. He says this, your reward will be sharp arrows or glowing coals from the broom tree. He's saying that there is something that's going to come back and hurt you. It's an arrow. It's going to be sharp. It's going to pretty much, you get what you, not pay for, but you get what you've done to others. It's, it's going to come back to get you. And here's what some of you will believe with your lie. And this is where I think, when it when it comes to us in a practical sense, some of the lies you will believe in. It's twofold. The first one is this: you will believe the lie that you are the only person going through a situation that is really, really hard. You're the only one. It's just, I mean, no one, no one has went through these types of situations before, other than you. I mean, think about it. You got it really, really hard. It's just life is hard. Life is, life is difficult. I mean, who else has it as bad as you do? Think about it. I'm, I'm feeding into the lie right now. You're like, man, he, yeah, yeah, it is hard, <laughs> right? And this is what I want to say, and I, um, I want to say this kind as well. Salking <sighs> and throwing a pity party about your reality is cute when you're in high school. It's not bad. I, I've sat with a lot of high schoolers talking through things where I'm like hey it's, it's okay you sit there when you're 30 with kids it's embarrassing and that doesn't happen that that happens on accident but it happens without being intentional saying man what lies am I believing am I the only one and here's what's true about the devil the devil his main game is to constantly lie you're the only one it's only hard for you no one talks to you. No one does this for you. They're all out to get you. It's, it's constant lies that might have a hint of truth, but the devil will counterfeit what God has said is true, and he'll start to feed you lies. And it says in Ephesians 6, it, it connects with uh, warrior sharp arrows. It says, take up the shield of faith so you can extinguish or discern the flaming darts of the evil one. He'll constantly lie to you. You'll believe the lie that you're the only one it's only hard for you, that God won't deliver you, that God can't answer your distress, that God can't, you'll just start to believe this crap. And it's crazy, and then next thing you know, you just sit there and sulk, and you're like, man, no one has it as hard as me, I can't take risks of faith, I can't be like these people, I can't walk with Christ because my environment, or I don't know too many Christians at school, you'll just start to believe crazy stuff. And that is from the pit of hell. It really is that the devil is the father of lies, and oh Lord, save me, deliver me, he says, from lying lips. So the question you have to ask is, have you believed the lie that, man, you just have it harder than anyone else? You just believed it, and a lot of this stuff has just been fed from your parents, it's been fed from mentors, it's been fed from other friends, and you're like, man, I'm just the only person who struggles in life, and no one is out to help me, no one will help me, this is just terrible for me. Everyone else is doing this, and it's not me. It's Everyone else is, you fill in the blank, they all get married, they all find the spouse, they all get to go to school, they all get money from mom. And I mean, you just throw this pity party, right? That's the, that's the first one where this place. Here's the second one. You do believe that God, here's the lie you believe, God will not, will not deliver you, and he does not love you. God does not love you. How could he love you? Look at all the bad things you've done. Look how you've responded when you get angry. Look how you respond when life gets really hard. Look how you respond when situations get tough. Look how you respond on Saturday nights and, uh, in the fall when you go back to school. Look how you respond when winter always comes and you get depressed and you start well, doing this and doing that. Look how you And you'll start, it'll just be feeding. You'll say, man, God can't love me. That is crap from the pit of hell. That God can't love you, God can't deliver you, and that's a lie you believe, and it's, and it's a coping mechanism. It almost, and here's what's so sick about when you sulk. It feels good. Right? I mean, for a minute, you just start to pout, you start to whine, you start to gossip to someone, and you start to just talk about yourself, and you're like, I just had to get this off of my chest, and it just starts to feel good, and you'll believe the lie. God doesn't love me. God doesn't have a plan for my life. He would have done something by now. And, it, and it's a battle you and I fight. So I know this is true. It's one of those things, for those of you who follow Christ, it goes up and then what? Comes down. You have this roller coaster of these thoughts where you just believe the lie. And you have to ask yourself the question. Here's the only way it can get practical for you. Maybe everything I just said, you're like, I don't, I don't understand anything he said and none of that applies to me. But what lie do you believe? When you cope, what lie is most prevalent in your life? What lie would it be? Mine is that, man, something really bad is going to happen. It's just a lie I believe. Like I'm just waiting for something really bad always to happen. I have no idea why. Has anything really bad happened in my life? No. But something bad is gonna happen. It's weird. It's weird, and I'll be like, man, God, is, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and it's like this anxiety of like, oh my gosh, I can't move, I'm paralyzed, because what if I do something and something bad happens, right? Isn't that crazy? It's nuts, but some of us live that way, and you start to believe these crazy lies that, man, God is not going to protect you, God's not going to keep you safe, God doesn't have a plan for your life, and he doesn't love you. How could he? That is lies. God does love you. God does care for you. God has a plan for your life. And when something hurts or something is hard, it's not him abandoning you. It's not him just out to totally ruin your life. When something's hard, he's building, the word that I said, resilience. So how how do you cope when something happens? You remember, some of you, a while ago we did a series, When God Talks to You, and the night we talked about your emotions talk to you we did it in Matthew 5 and it says um, it says the pure in heart, it said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God and we talked about being pure in heart and when your emotion when anger happens okay what is god trying to say to me when i'm super stressed what is god trying to communicate to me right now why don't i trust him when i'm super depressed why is this happen? when i don't trust god i told my wife two nights ago i said I do not, I don't even want to trust God in this area. I just can't. I don't. And, and I mean, she lit me up, so it worked out well, but I, I said, I, I just don't, I just don't. She, um, she, she said, either you need to shut up or trust God. She just got tired of it. And so, um, I just didn't, didn't want to trust. And so, you have to say, God, what lies am I believing? And the psalmist says, in my distress, I called to God and he answered, deliver me from lying lips and some of us there's a small percentage of you in here where you are the lying lips you just lie to people you see someone where something good is happening to them so you lie to them because you want them where you are and that is super deceitful and malicious and that kind of stuff you end up being yeah anyway I'll I'll say clear so anyway let's go to number three um I need to be safe so let's go uh, to point number three Oh, when you cope, the question you need to ask, because there's three questions. Are you trying to get healthy in the same place that made you sick? He says, woe to me. So this word, woe to me, is when you would say, how sorry for me. How sorry for me. Man, woe is me. Some of you are like, man, woe is me. Right? It's just, anyway, that I sojourn or live in Meshach. All right, we're going to talk about this. That I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Meshach and Kedar, um, in Genesis 10, in Genesis 25, it talks about these two places. It's north and south of where this psalmist is living. He said, I dwell, I sojourn, I have dwelled among the tents of Kedar. What he is saying, woe is me, because these two wicked, wicked cities or places, I mean, um, honestly, historically, they're known for cannibalism, which is, you know, totally weird. But anyway, um, he is saying, in a sense, that they are attacking and killing and pursuing his, his life. And he's saying, woe is me. He is in a place where he is feeling pressure from all sides. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like just feeling pressure about your decision, pressure about your future, pressure about this. And he is, I mean, someone help this guy out. He's trying to cope. He's trying to get healthy in this place where he has found himself to be sick. And then he says this, and this is kind of like the punchline of the night. It's in verse, this is verse 6 and 7. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but what I speak they are for war. So, you ever you ever been just sick and tired of being sick and tired? You ever just frustrated with me why why, is, why do these things keep happening to me? Why does it seem like everything, the car's always this, this is always broke down, this has always happened, this is always going there, this, you know, I'm always getting in a fight and an argument with them, I always feel like, man, every time around this year this kind of stuff happens, he just, he's had enough. He said, man, I've hung around, or I have allowed these Meshach and Kedar people to enforce pressure on me for too long. He said, too long have I made my dwelling. I have lived among them. I have stayed with them. And here, here is something that I think is super, super important. Only only the wicked will be or can be at home with the wicked. Only the wicked can be at home with the wicked. Only those who, those who strive for peace can be at home with those who are striving for peace. And he says this. I am for peace, but what I speak, they are for war. You ever feel like God's calling? This is great. Um, do, you, do you ever, do you ever feel like um, that the people you're around it's just constant conflict? It's just constantly exhausting. You feel like the the people you work with, and you're just like, man, when I walk in here you're just you're tired before you even get there cuz you know someone's going to be arguing the manager's going to do this this person's going to do this they're going to respond or you're in management and you're just like man I can't even deal with it anymore I don't want to manage anything I'll manage my dogs I can't take this anymore you're just it's constant conflict you feel like it's it's all the time he's saying too long so so here's what he does he said I've made my dwelling among them some of you some of us you've made your dwelling among people where you just naturally, you're not a healthy person. And you're expecting to get better without making any significant changes. So you'll have the same results. Man, you can't, you can't kick that bad habit, but really all your friends have the same bad habit, so you're like, man, I, I hope we figure it out. It says in Proverbs that whoever walks with the wise will what? Be wise. Whoever walks with the fools They'll be a fool. So you can't expect, God, I pray that you would help me to be really, really godly and deal with these issues when you're not around anyone godly who deals with their issues. God, I pray that you would get, help me to be really wise and learn how to be a godly man or woman when you're not around any other godly men or women. Yeah, then come on, you can't, right, you can't, you can't. and when, when, when we do that, we'll say, God, Help me to get better. Would you deliver me? Would you answer me? And sometimes his answer is that you need to remove yourself from a situation. And that is complex. That is different for everyone. That is super hard. You can't just speak to that issue. you got to hear different sides. But here is the, the verse we'll close out with, and then I'll give you three things, just so you know where I'm going. It says in Hebrews twelve fourteen. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I don't like that it says peace with who? Everyone. I I mean, I would give some examples, but then you would start making some guesses. Um, I, right? You, with everyone? Aren't there just some people you don't like? Maybe that's me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just there's some people... You just don't like. I don't want to have peace with them. And it says in Romans what? If possible, so far as it depends on you, you live peaceably with all men. For without holiness, or without, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pe- relational peace is connected to holiness with God. If you have constant conflict and strife in relationships, having a connection with God and having holiness with God is extremely difficult. You're in turmoil this way, and you're in turmoil this way. It's super hard. It's very difficult. So here are three quick, quick, practical things. You already know these. um, Learning to cope according to these things. The first one is this. Going to the Lord. Yeah, we're just going super deep tonight. You need to ask yourself the question, when I am in distress, who do I go to? Some of you, you go to your significant other and it's super detrimental to your health. Because when God removes that person, guess what you'll do? You'll hurry up and find another person so you can use them to cope in your distress. You will, some of you, in in an unhealthy way, this can be good, can be not, I'm just going to say it. You'll go to mom and dad. Are mom and dad there to listen? Hopefully. Are mom and dad hopefully godly sounding boards for you? I pray they are. But they can't be, a coping mechanism every time you're in distress, and so then you don't go to God, you go to mom and dad. So then whatever mom and dad say, you make the direct correlation. Well, that is what God has said. It's not wrong. I still call my dad. Dad, what do I do in distress? But I have to go to God first. Number two, believing the truth. Um, You and I need to ask the question, God, what lie am i currently believing that has allowed me to become unhealthy in a spiritual way when i'm angry when i'm depressed when i'm stressed when i'm anxious when i'm fearful when i lack trust what lie do i believe and here's what you do here's just a practical thing you find a verse that fights that lie you put it in your on your mirror you put it in your car you write a, put a reminder in your phone, and every morning when you wake up, some of you, that's 11 a.m., some of you, that's 6, and some of you, that's when Jesus wakes up, that's 5. When you wait, God, it's a joke, come on. Uh, and you get that reminder, and it says, oh, I should, it says, take up the shield of faith, Ephesians 6.16. Extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. God, what lie am I believing that I need to fight with truth? Number three, Dwell among people where you can get healthy. If the people around you are not, they don't respond well, their coping mechanisms are always just to blast and gossip and belittle and be malicious. That is, that's what you, you will learn as well. This guy says, man, I have made my dwelling in my tent around people who have attacked and and I need to escape and get out of this situation because Where I've been is not a good place to be. So who who would you dwell among? Who would be the people that you would be around? Who are the people in your life where you would say, man, I need to have some guys or some girls who help me respond, who will, when I lose my mind and I don't respond in a healthy way, they'll be able to call me on the carpet and I don't kick them out of my life and just call them stupid. They don't know anything. Here's the last thing and we'll wrap this up. Um, Jesus was the best at coping was he not and here's the example Jesus when he was going through distress he went to the Garden of Gethsemane as he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane he asked God the Father would you remove this cup from me would you take this away in his distress He called to God, and God answered him. And you know what God said? No. You must go through this time because it was his will from the Father for Jesus. And Jesus endured the cross with joy. If you are in distress, Jesus has never asked you to go through something or to handle something that he has not done himself that we would go to him, and it says in Hebrews, we have a Savior who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, no matter how big or little. And here's the takeaway for tonight, this final phrase. He knows. He knows. He knows every working detail. He knows what's on your heart. He knows what's on your mind. He knows And he is not bothered by you coming to him. He would petition and want us to come in distress. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for Psalm 120 and the Psalms of Ascent. And just the reminder of even ascending to the temple and crying out to God, um, and Lord, would you help all of us, and even myself, these three simple things tonight? Would would we truly go to you? Would we go to the Lord? Would we believe the truth and be men and women under the book? And God, would we be around people who are healthy? Would you give us wisdom to know what that means and what that looks like? Would you help us to learn how to cope or manage our stressors in our life in a healthy way? Would we not pretend that they are not real? Would we not punt on them or fake those things, God? Would we be honest with who we are as people and trust the process that you are growing us more and more like Christ? We thank you for this evening and that we get to be here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.